I'm Gab, he's Jules. Cloudy skies over West London, but not in this studio, Jules, uh, because what a, what a midweek we've had. Incredible. We have La Liga, we have um, we had the, 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 the Pokal in Germany. So much going on. We have Serie A, and that's what, and we have this thing called the League Cup, which yeah. I am not quite as fussed about, yeah, yeah, but it's big to others. No. Fun, you know. no. Um, but let's start with the Victor Seaman story, because I find this story... Absolutely incredible because it has so much in there. It's got yeah. globalization. It's got social media. I'll try to very quickly recap. Um, at the weekend, Osimhen misses a penalty uh, and hits the woodwork. Comes off the pitch, really loudly remonstrates with his manager, Rudy Garcia. Yeah. Later, he apologizes. We think things have calmed down. And then a... Video comes out on TikTok on on Tuesday. On the official Napoli account. On the official Napoli account. It's actually, I have to point out, it's actually, what really made the story was two TikTok videos. One of them had come out three days earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one comes out um, on the day of. And most people would have seen them spliced together because they weren't, the second one wasn't up for very long. It was yeah. taken down. And essentially... They're mocking Victor Osimhen, or it appears like yeah, that. It appears if like you're that. not a TikToker, the first one it shows him in he's singing, "I'm not a boy, I'm not a girl, I'm a coconut," and it shows him holding a coconut. Obviously, a very loaded uh, image. Mm. The second one, it, it has his voice speeded up. It shows him appealing for a penalty, wanting a penalty, um, but his voice is is is, is speeded up. Yeah. And, and missed the penalty as well. And, he, and it's yeah. the penalty he missed on the weekend. Okay. Osimhen's agent comes out and says that Osimhen's furious. Uh, Osimhen removes all pictures of him in a Napoli shirt from his social media accounts. Uh, he says he's mulling legal action. Um, Napoli take the, uh, take the offending TikTok videos down. And then later that day on Wednesday, or the following day on Wednesday, rather, he's called up. He plays. Napoli beat Udinese 4-1. Mm. He scores. Yeah. Not the penalty, though. He didn't take the penalty. He did not take... No, actually... And he was, was wanting him to say, say, Victor, Victor! And no, he, leave, he, he leaves he, it to Zielinski. I mean, it's a great part of the story. He turns to, to Zielinski and says, you take the penalty. Yeah. I find this thing incredible because there's many, many layers yeah, to yeah. it. The first layer, Jules, and look, I am too old for this. I was too Me old too. to know this. So I thought, when I saw this, I'm like, what the hell? What... Is Napoli's what, what are Napoli thinking putting this out? And then their defense is that the two videos, these are very popular. I'm going to use the word meme, but they're not memes. They're called trends on TikTok, yeah. where people will make a video. What to me looks like a stupid video, but hey, who am I to yeah, judge? Yeah. Right? Everybody copies the format, of that and everybody video. copies. So this, yeah. this this coconut saying, "I'm a coconut," was a big thing. And so people, regular TikTok users recognize it. So the guy makes these kinds of videos the, at Napoli around Napoli players. And he's made them for a whole bunch of players, yeah. Chucky Lozano and, and, and so on. Now, obviously, Osimhen, who I'm guessing is not a frequent TikToker, sees himself with a coconut and says, WTF. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with the speeded up voices. People spend hours listening to music with the voices speeding up, audio with the voices, and it's supposed to be funny and interesting yeah. to that. Again, I am not judging, no. right? I'm too old for this. How do we get out of this? 
I don't know. I mean, the cynical in me thinks that if things had been rosy between Ozyme and Garcia, the club in terms of the contract extension had been yeah. signed already because Ozyman will have only one year left at the end of this season. If there hadn't been the argument with Garcia, if he scored, let's say, 10 goals in five already and Napoli were flying at the top of the league like they were last season, maybe that would have not taken those kind of proportions. However, because things are not like that, uh, because I think Ozyman felt very aggrieved with the club in general, maybe for the contract negotiation, maybe for the Rudy Garcia's argument, maybe for a lot of other things that he's not happy with right now. This felt loaded to him. And I understand the coconut one, and you were saying, for the penalty one, I understand the uh, give me the penalty with the voice sped up and everything, but then he still misses the penalty and he looks like you're mocking your own player for missing a pen. I, I, I 100. Look, look, both those were completely inappropriate, right? The coconut, you should understand that your video, if it goes viral, it goes to the rest of the world, people are not going to understand what this is. They're going to see the picture of a person of African descent yeah, with a coconut, yeah. and that is, that, that's offensive and inappropriate. People are going to take it the completely wrong way, right? Mm. Uh, you know, you, you can't say like, well, we're Mr. Global Social Media, but then, yeah, global audience, people aren't going to understand what this is. That's right. Uh, the second one is absolutely no need to mock it after penalty. He earns right now about four and a half million euros a season net, which, again, if you're one of those pounds a week type people, works out to round about 160,000 pounds a week plus bonuses. Um, $10 million a year. I, I hate the fact that we have to do this, but we're a global podcast. Yeah, right? so exactly. do this in, Everybody in needs people. to understand. Yeah. Everybody agrees he's, he's underpaid for what he's producing because you go Fair around enough. Europe and you say who's on his level in his age bracket and there really aren't many people who've no. done it for multiple seasons in a big five league. Yeah. In fact, other than Erling Holland, he may well be the only person in that age bracket under the age of 25, right? Well, Mbappe, but he's yeah. not really a, a traditional, if you want your traditional center yeah, forward, yeah. right? Um, so the negotiations over his contract extension, and the reason you want to do this, as you mentioned, is contract expires 2025. A year from now is going to be a year away from free agency, which means that if Napoli want to transfer him elsewhere, his market value is going to is just going to sink. So... They, my understanding is they had reached an agreement whereby he would effectively double his wages. Yeah. Where he'd get into the three hundred thousand pounds a week range, if you if you like to think that way, twenty million dollars a year, um, which I think is pretty much in line with his. That's why he deserves, right? yeah. And and he's a he's a big stretch for Napoli. Yeah, Napoli say like if we're going to pay you that much money, uh, or he says, okay, I'll sign the contract. We'll get multi year extension, but. I need to have a release clause yeah. so that, you know, if Real Madrid, Manchester United come calling, you know, and they make me an offer I can't refuse, you're not there saying I want half a billion for him. I want to have the freedom, right? So yeah. let's come up with a number that's fair, that's equitable, and so on. Because um, he often says that he wanted to, his dream was to play in the Premier League one day. He didn't mention a club in particular, but he said, like, you know, England has always attracted him. So you would think that as good as Napoli yeah. have been with him and he's been good to Napoli, there would be a point where he would want some, to discover something new. He's already lived his two lifelong dreams of playing for Wolfsburg and Charleroi and already. Lille. And Lille as well, of course. In Liga. Well, I was actually, I was, I was mocking Wolfsburg and mocking Charleroi. I, know. I have more respect for Lille. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> um, but uh, I, that's understandable. That, that's pretty customary, right? We, we saw it with, with Erling Holland as well when he went to Borussia Dortmund. The reason you put in a release clause is you as a player say, look, I have all this leverage. I am going to take a little bit less money 
than I could if I drove a hard bargain, if I ran my contract down. Yeah. You, in exchange, put in a release clause so that people know how to plan, so they don't have to negotiate with you, and then I'm free to go. And the release clause is typically a little bit less than what I would be worth. Yeah, or market value, right? yeah. So they talked about release clauses. I think the club's idea was we'll make it a $100 million. And, and bear in mind, too, Napoli paid $80 million to get him. So amortization, yeah. all this stuff. To make a clean profit, they have to get a big fee. In right? a dodgy deal as well. That's Which we'll number, get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, but then De Laurenti sees, ooh, these guys in Saudi Arabia, they're offering a ton of money So for players. Um, so we'll make it $100 million for Europe, and then we'll make it more if it's Saudi or whatever. At some point, this broke down. They couldn't agree on a number. And this is why he has not yet signed his new yeah. deal. Um, inevitably, he's going to be linked with other clubs, obviously immediately Chelsea, you know, but obviously Chelsea have got other fish to fry right yeah. now. Uh, we know Manchester United took a look at him last summer because Mark Ogden told us they decided to go in a different direction. But where, where do you see Osimhen if, I mean, if he doesn't sign, if there's a year left on his deal, and, and De Laurentiis is also very unpredictable in, in Napoli. He's a canny operator. Yeah. But his level is any top team right now, right? Yeah. I I'm not saying so. he put Holland on the bench, but if Holland weren't there, he could probably start for Manchester City. You yeah. would think so, definitely. And he has a, he, he's got a different profile to Erling Haaland or to Kylian Mbappe, for example, of course, or even to Harry Kane. But he's younger than Kane, as we've been saying. He's, he's at an age where he can still improve on many aspects of his game. So no, he would be, you would think that he would be really like wanted by a lot of clubs, especially in England. And if it's 100 million that we're talking, I think the, for, for Victor Ozyman, this is a really good price. I think you even, it's not a bargain, but this is a really good price. You're, going, you're getting him for a really good value for what he's going to bring you and for how long he's going to bring you that. So I, I would see the appeal. I'm a bit surprised that uh, Napoli, in a way, so this is going to play against them for sure in this negotiation and in that kind of power struggle between the club and Ozyman and his agent, that would be in their favour. I'm still a bit surprised, is this a bit like the Graskelia one, that we still like, it's still not sorted, it's still taking a bit of time. And I know he's got t- technically still two years left on the contract, so there's not real any rush. Big clubs like that usually do those extensions around between the two years and the 18 months left on mm. the contract. So they're on time. Still, they also, they also knew that there was a lot of interest already last summer. And the closer you get to the final year of the contract, the more difficult it would be for them. We saw with Leao. Yeah. And that was a hell of a negotiation for Milan. And in the end, it was good because he stayed, but it could have turned maybe very differently. So this is a tricky situation for them. Interesting, Leao, of course, another former Lille player. Remember if players stayed at Lille forever? How good would Lille the be? The team, yeah. Even you know? Hazard, Leao, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ozyman up front. Wow. Um, so... Now, what, the, what do you see happening? What really now? I know... I ca- so, Again, I don't know Victor Osimhen. I do know in Naples he is probably, I mean, you could argue he's he's the, the best player that they've had possibly since Diego Armando Maradona. Um, you know, I was trying to think in between. Obviously, they had Iguain and so on. Yeah, Mertens. And- probably the best, most loved, or one of the most loved players because, you know, you, you walk around Naples and in between the Diego Maradona 
murals. murals. There are murals of Victor Osimhen. Yeah. He has really embraced the city. His personality, obviously, the, 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 the guy's Nigerian. He's extroverted. It really it's a great fit with Naples. Yeah. And I think there's two big signs to me which are really relevant. One is after this whole spit storm breaks, Rudy Garcia asks him to start or, uh, you know, calls him up for the game against Udinese, which we mentioned in 1-4-1. He doesn't come up with a phantom injury. He's not like, oh, no, my hip flexor or no boss, I'm too upset. He's like, I'm a professional. I'm going to go. I think he also wanted to see the gauge the reactions. He shows up pitch side. There's a freaking, like, standing ovation yeah. from the fans. And booze for poor Rudy Garcia. Yeah, of course he got booze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think mean, the poor guy. Six like games in. Can we be clear? Rudy Garcia does not run Napoli's TikTok account. Can we just? <laughs> he didn't know that was coming out. Um, now, obviously, he scores that goal, and initially, he doesn't really celebrate. No, Although, no, totally, yeah. when Mario Rui comes and jumps on top of him, and then over the over the course of the game, you could yeah. see the adrenaline and so on. He became he became much more emotive. I think this reflects really well. If I'm a club looking at this, and I look at how did Victor Osimhen react in this moment? He reacted like an absolute professional, mm. and I think I think that matters from Napoli's perspective. You know that you can count on an absolute professional. If you're Napoli now. What do you do? You have to take ownership of this. You have to apologize. Yeah. And you have to say, apologize in public. And you say, we absolutely soiled the bed, right? You saw the bed with Osiman, who feels trolled and unloved, right? Rightly or wrong. People are like, oh, yeah, take the joke. It's just TikTok, right? Osiman doesn't need to know what TikTok is. He doesn't need to know the spirit of this. He just knows how this played out around yeah, the yeah, world. Definitely. And leaving aside the racial aspect of it, and there's a whole other layer to it, because again, you're operating in a global world. The term coconut may mean absolutely nothing in Italy or in Naples, right? It means something to people of color in the United States um, and and in parts of in, in parts of Europe. It's for those who don't know, and it's got nothing to do with Osimhen, by the way. It's yeah, yeah. somebody who is of African descent who is perceived to be acting as as white, dressing a certain way. I don't know, listening to dire straits or country music or whatever in the heck it is, right? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with it, but it is a racially charged term, right? Yeah, so this yeah, is how yeah, people see it. If you operate as a global brand, you have to be aware of this and yeah. you have to, so you've damaged the club's image as well. Yeah, you yeah. really have. You go to the social media guy and you say, kid, and I'm assuming it's a kid because he'd be really pathetic if he was a man in his forties. Uh, and I would say, thanks for working for us. You're out. You can't work for us anymore. Yeah, yeah. You screwed up. Actions have consequences. I go to this person's boss. Did you approve this? Yes. Okay. Fine. You're being suspended and you're going to be disciplined because you're not doing your job. You're in the communications department. You have to communicate images of the club and you just communicated something which hurt the club's image. Yeah. I go to their boss and like, did you know about yeah. this? Uh, no, I let the club's people do what they want. Great. Well, you're a freaking fool. I know. And I'm going to go and, you know, discipline you. Right. And then I need to go in public. I think we, yeah. We, <laughs> no, I just stop making me. No, you know what? You're angry. right. You're right. This is so needless. Yeah, yeah. This it did not so have right. to happen. This does not help anybody. On the back of what we saw at the weekend, for sure. It was the wrong timing. I mean, as with Rudy Garcia, it's tough to fill, yeah. to, to, to fill the boots of a guy who just won the title, right? I think it is. 
maybe he's not helping himself either by trying to change too many things instead of almost saying like, listen, everything worked so well. Let's just basically do the, do the same thing. I think the, even for Kvaskel, yeah, you saw with his goal yesterday, uh, outstanding goal, of course. He also hit the woodwork twice. Yeah. He looked really sharp. But the goal, the goal was amazing. And then the celebration, you could almost feel the frustration of what happened in the last few weeks. Also the argument that he had with Rudy Garcia, things not working. He hadn't scored since March 19th. That's yeah. a, it's a long time. So I don't think that's helping Rudy. And because of the way he is and the personality and, you know, it's, I don't know. I just, I just don't think he's the most humble and I don't think that helps. He did came out, come out, Rudy, and he said what the club did was, was clumsy. Yeah. Which I think is already an admission because other people would have said, oh, look, I'm just on the sports side. So, you know, I'm not responsible for social media. He took some ownership. I mean, you and I would have gone stronger than clumsy. We yeah, stupid. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but whatever, clumsy, I got no issue with that. The court case, we've touched upon this before. Yeah. So De Laurentiis is being investigated for this deal. Now, you can give some background on Lille and their former owner who yeah. did this deal with um, with Napoli for Osimhen. Yeah, when Osimhen was obviously flying in Ligue 1, just one season there after leaving Charleroi, as you said, Gabi and Luis Campos recruiting him for Lille and Gerard Lopez. Uh, he left to go to Napoli for 80 million euros, which, to be fair, for the play that it was, was maybe a little bit too much, maybe, just about maybe, but okay, you could see it. I think the issue was that... That was the headline fee, yeah, 80 million. And then but, we discovered it's not quite 80 million. No, because uh, <laughs> because four players from Napoli went the other way for the equivalent of 20 million euros. Yeah. Uh, one goalkeeper that was the number four goalkeeper, I think, in the picking order for Napoli. And he was in his late 30s and had yeah, a year left. Yeah, became number three at Lille. And then three players who never played for the Napoli first team, who were in the like reserve team, if you want, who had never even showed up in Lille. God knows, God knows what happened to them three. But 20 million for those four is outrageous. And I think that's where the alarm bells that we say were ringing and that people are starting to look into more details in, into this very weird deal. So the way this deal was explained to me is that Lille had some kind of covenant with their uh, because obviously Lille at the time were, were pretty heavily leveraged. They, they, they had borrowed money from different funds and institutions around Europe. And one of those covenants was, well, we can sell Lille. In fact, not only just Lille, it was also Nicolas Pepe for X million. And if they didn't sell them, then it would accelerate the rate at which they had to make their payments yeah. for, for those fees. And that's why those two fees were so big. Now, obviously, Arsenal with Pepe, Decided to, as far as I know, pay the money in full. Yeah. Albeit staggered over time. Uh, De Laurentiis in Napoli says, well, all right, this is costing me because even then that 80 million goes on my books, amortization, all this stuff. I'm not going to give you 80 million in cash because I would be a dope if I did yeah. that. You take these guys on your books and they're just on your books is the, the three younger Italian people. They never even, like you said, I, they went on loan to like third. Yeah. I don't think they even put um, foot in France. And we'll do this to help, to help Lille. I think this is going to be De Laurentiis' defense. Yeah. When it goes into court, whether they buy it or not, he's going to, he's going to try to argue, well, wait a minute. What advantage did I gain from this? Right. This is not those false accounting deals where you've got swaps and inflated values. 
Yeah, we inflated their value, maybe, to benefit Lille. It actually hurts us. It comes at a cost to us. So I think that's going to be his defense, whether the court buys it or not, yeah. what the consequences are. I think that's all TBD. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Napoli, enough Ossiman. How about some quick hits instead? Oh, God. Manchester City won't win a domestic trouble this season nope. as Alexander Isak's goal dumps them out of the League Cup uh, at the hands of Newcastle. 1-0. Jules, is this a big deal? It is if, if you wanted to do it again, I guess. But of the three competitions that they won last year, the, 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 the one really that you could be okay by losing would be the League Cup compared to the League and the Champions League, of course. Uh, so well done to Mark Ogden for obviously jinxing them after writing that they could <laughs> quadruple this year. Nicely done, Oggy. So yeah, I mean, when you look at the team that they put out with Sergio Gomez in a position that even could, even himself could not understand really, he, he seems so lost on that pitch. What's so hard? You're an inverted winger on the other side, come inside. I don't know. It looks, it looks to me that he looked really completely lost. Uh, maybe Pep himself didn't care. Although, as we will see in the, in the next week, he, he seems pretty unhappy with the whole thing. Uh, did you like Bob? Did you like, I love Bob. I love Rico Lewis. I mean, I thought the first half was good. And then the second half, they started slowly. They were a bit asleep. And then Newcastle, to be fair, with the changes that Eddie Howe made, were much better with more energy. And in the end, they won it. But thank you for that analysis. I think this whole thing is completely irrelevant and it doesn't matter. And by the way, maybe it's not going to be a domestic treble, but it could be a global quintuple because they got the FIFA Club World Cup. They also won the European Super Cup already. So there, there, there'll, there'll be no shortage of trophies. That's true. I mean, then they can still do the same treble, uh, you know, the FA Cup, Champions League and, and League, like, like the season. It's just the, the treble it's ridiculous where we've set them won't up. have the League Cup in it like he had in last season either. And Pep wasn't happy. Gabby during the game, clashing with Jason Tindall, uh, who's ADR's assistant. Even, even before the game, when he, he went to shake yeah. Eddie Howe's hands, Tindall was there first, so he had to he had to shake Tindall's hand first, and then he looked he looked at him was like, mm, "Why am I doing this?" By the way, he's a bit yeah. yeah those two guys are not. Mm. I know, I know. So he was not happy with so he clashed with Tindall. Uh, he was not happy with the referee either, and then he was even unhappier by the fact that they had to go back to Manchester by bus. Yes, because it's eco pep, and he prefers to travel by train. No, well, it's clearly not. not. It's uh, <laughs> he said he couldn't get a plane back. There's no trains running at that hour. Uh, his owner's not rich enough to build a private train line from. Uh, I'm surprised uh, yeah. to the training ground. Yeah, from every, HS3. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so he has to take the bus. Like, 
we can say first world problems. It does, you know, extra hour to sleep does make a difference at this level. Yeah, um, you play Saturday, you know. Fair enough. So. Let's talk Liga League leaders, Jules. That's right. Girona. Hey! The winner hey! of the Real with our buddy Eric Garcia hey! scoring the winner. Somehow. Are we going to be uh, hearing Leicester City comparisons soon or... Does who the two owners are kind of make it slightly less romantic? Well, Although, I, come on, less romantic than a Thai duty free king? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think they're already making the comparison in back in Spain yeah, with Leicester and and Girona. What we have, what we can say, I don't know how how long this will go. And obviously, now I think they might they play Real Madrid maybe this weekend or they have a big game this weekend. So we will we will see a bit more what really they are about. And this is a big test. But to go to Villarreal, being one nil down, coming back and yeah. scoring two goals, by the way, great. They're playing really nice attacking football compared to last season where they were a bit more defensive. Mitchell, the manager, doing an amazing job. And yeah, this. They have that confidence and momentum going into every game, which is great to see. It's a bit refreshing. The club's largest um, shareholder, of course, City Football Group. Yeah. The other big shareholders, Marcelo Claude, who, for, if you don't know, is uh, is a Bolivian uh, uh, billionaire who uh, owns a big chunk of, of Inter Miami. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think, Bolivar Football Club. And just to put him in the villain category, have you heard what, what Sheehan is? I think so. Okay, they make fast fashion. I Very know fast. we probably don't buy, we don't often buy teenage girl clothes. No, but, but yeah, online retailer. They don't have a shop. They only have online. Yeah. Not very popular for no. many among environmentalists. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Barcelona would have been top, of course, of La Liga, Gabi, if they had beaten Mallorca. But instead, they had to come back twice to draw 2-2 away there. As Xavi rotated quite heavily, leaving Robert Lewandowski, for example, and Jun Kunde initially on the bench. Uh, that's right. Uh, look, he has to rotate, right? Because otherwise, why bring these people players in? We want to see Inigo Martinez. Hey, look, left-footed hey, center back. Yeah. You like that, right? Yeah, so but not important. anymore. <laughs> yeah, not good in this. Veda Murici, the big man, oh, monstering him. And then they send on the other big man, Kyle Laren, yeah. to do the same. Uh, they could have easily lost this game if Laren's, uh, finishing had been a little better. bit, a little bit better. That's true. Uh, Rafinha, I thought, really turned things around for them. Ferran Torres struggled up front. Um, Fermin, another kid from La Cantera. Know, lovely goal. In, Good dummy by Lewandowski. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. This is a team that's still evolving and people just have to accept that. Jules, it's that time. Time for more quick hits. Yes. Chelsea scored their first goal since September as Woo-hoo! they beat Brighton and Hove Albion. Yeah. Yes, that's right. All three of them. Uh, at Stanford Bridge, 1-0. But there's more injury woe as Ben Chilwell gets injured. Yeah, I guess injured Nico Jackson who scored and you think, yes, come on, if he can continue like that in yeah, the league. He won't be oh, continuing. Yeah. You know, and he's suspended as well. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I was not too convinced by the performance. I won't lie. To be fair, but the most important is to win. And again, we go into these slight cliches terms where you say all Pochettino cares right now is to win, regardless of well, how he needs something. Even in the League Cup, he would take it against Brighton. The Zerbi didn't seem too happy. He also made a lot of changes. But but still, I think you know it was it was important for Poch just to buy a bit of calmness. This is Chelsea's Champions League or Europa League, whichever way you want to put it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. In term- Inter Milan, sorry, take the lead against Sassuolo, but then Domenico Berardi sends them crashing to a 2-1 home defeat, Gab. Have we been praising Inzaghi a little too much? I wonder. I don't want to be super reactive. They played well in the first half, took the lead, seemed in control. Yeah. He, you know, he loves to rotate, but he had actually, actually had his starters in. Strong team. 
It was a strong team. They were definitely outplayed in the second half. Uh, Sassuolo has a tendency to outplay because they're one of those little teams that haven't been told they're a little team. So they go, and, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's like Burnley or Brighton, you know, like yeah, they, yeah. they don't know their role and they do not shut up, right? They yeah. go when they play. Um, I will say Jan Sommer, not great oh, on the, the equalizer. That, that's where they changed everything. And also Berardi, oh, what a player. bit special. In four days, you know, you be Juve and Inter. That's pretty amazing. That is pretty, pretty amazing. How about Real Madrid, Jules? Carletto mixes it up again with Brahim Diaz and Joselu yeah. in the front three. No Jude Bellingham. Nope. But we do see Vinicius um, making his return off the bench in the second half. And they beat Las Palmas 2-0 to move within a point of the top. What crisis? Yeah, you're right in a way, Gabby. Maybe it took them a bit of time to get going in that first half. They had chances. Brahim could have scored. They had a ton of chances. But that's good. So, you were when know, you don't but like, I'm happy for Jose Lu because he scored. And again, I know the criticism is quite heavy on him. And yeah, maybe he can't win you the Champions League, but he can still do a good job when you need him, especially in games like this against average team, let's put it that way. Las Palmas were, were not very good. And I thought he invited a lot of, of the pressure. So again, you take that win, especially after the derby, you move on. To, to the weekend. Yeah, to on the, the Jose point, and I devote this to Real Madrid fans everywhere. Yeah, he's not Benzema, right? How many league goals did Benzema score last year? I can know, yeah. I know how many Joselu scored. Joselu scored 16. Yeah, and On a bad team that got relegated. Now he's playing for a team that creates a lot more. I'm not saying he's better than Benzema, but I am saying he can definitely do a job for you. He can do you. a job, for sure. Exactly. Meanwhile, looking to the future, Cadena Ser in Spain reporting that Real Madrid have their sight on Roberto De Zerbi. Are you surprised, Gabby, considering that I think Marca also said that Xabi Alonso will be the next manager next season? I'm not surprised. I think it's absolutely... When a, when a club... We've, we know, we've, been, we've been in this business long now. When a club have their sights set on somebody and they make progress towards that person, Xabi Alonso, then immediately they put out another name, right? Yes. To give them a little bit of leverage and so on. Yeah. Look, maybe one day the Zerbi will manage Real Madrid, although he does not feel like a Real Madrid no. manager in the way he approaches the game. Um... But I don't. I, I wouldn't be. I mean, I'm not surprised. Everybody right now is raving about the Zen. Yeah. But I, I think Xavi Alonso has got to be their first choice right now. More Madrid future here, Jules. Liga president Javier Tebas says there's a 70 to 80 percent chance that <laughs> Kylian Mbappe will be at the Bernabeu yeah. next season. Um, that's a pretty scientifically accurate percentage. He used the algorithm in his head in to his calculate. head, clearly. I mean, I don't know, but he said, I've got no information here. This is just my feeling. <laughs> okay, thank you, Javier. Very helpful here. No, but who, who's the dope who asked him the question? Yeah, yeah. This is what right. I mean, right? I don't know if it was, was it a phone, like, I can't remember. Oh, no, it was an interview on, was he on uh, Media Pro? I can't remember. Well, Movie Star, maybe. I don't know. I thought Kylian had... Was going to go into Real Madrid last summer. I said 100%. I was convinced. And he uh, didn't have to listen to Uncle Javier Tebas. He knows. So 70, 80. <laughs> yeah, right now it's 50. It's 50%. He's either, he stays in Paris or he moves away. And if he moves away, as we know, he's very likely to be to Madrid. So if, if Tebas had said 50, I think we would not be laughing with that. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty logic. Look, ask Tebas stupid questions. You'll yeah, get stupid answers. Exactly. Not Tebas's. But uh, would he love Kylian in his league? Of course. of course he would, of course. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gab, AC Milan joined Inter on top of the table as Stefano Pioli turns to his bench. And my boy, Yassin Adli, who was really good, I thought. And they win 3-1 three, one, three, one away at Cagliari. Yeah, they looked really good. Okafor had some criticism. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you know, I love, um, I thought he was very effective. Obviously, he played center forward differently uh, than, uh, uh, than, than Olivier yeah. Giroud. Uh, Polisic also looks looked sharp. You know, Loftus-Cheek scores. Loftus-Cheek scored a great goal from distance. Yeah. 
Piotti talked about how, like, you know, he loves having depth. I think we're going to see more rotation for him, uh, from him throughout this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great, it's, it's a lift for some of these young players. We've been a little bit criticized before, but Yassin Adli, what a story. So he comes in with a big rep from Bordeaux, is frankly terrible yeah, at the start of the season. season. Doesn't get any playing time. In January, you know, they, they, they say, okay, Yassin, um, you're going to go on loan somewhere because you're not going to play here because you're not good. And he says, no, I want to stay. I want to show you that I can play. Oh, and no, he's absolutely no. beloved by his teammates. Yeah. And so he rewarded him by giving him the start in a different position because at Bordeaux, he played higher up the pitch, playing in front of the back four as yeah. a playmaker in, in the Benacer role, yeah. if you will. And and he did really well. And he's a player, I think, Milan can need. We'll, Definitely. We'll, we'll need, we need, yeah. If he can do this on a regular basis. Paris born and bred, you know, so... Manchester United beat up Crystal Palace 3-0 as Sofian Amrabat makes his first start for the club and Mason Mount makes his return from injury. No. Jules, is that the cavalry coming over the hill not, to help Erickson Hogg? I'm not sure the cavalry, Gabby, but he will need numbers, people, bodies, depth, talent, all of that going forward anyway. So you'll take that. Amrabat will be very interesting to see where he plays, if he helps Casemiro, all of that. But that was a good way for them to come back. For sure, and Anthony Martial scored as well. So yeah, had to mention I'm so. happy, of course. Arkadius Milik scores the only goal as Juventus bounced back from the weekend's defeat against Sassuolo, that horror show, with a win over Lecce. Gab Max Allegri says that this is who they are and how they need to play. Yes, and what he means is yeah. Lecce had two shots on goal, both off target, 0.07 XG. And he goes on and talks about how great they were defensively. defensively. This is okay. Lecce, by the way. Yeah? Lecce. Lecce, who were flying up the table. They were. Also having played nobody to that yeah, exactly. point. Um, I, no, I, I don't think this is how, yeah. This is one way to play, just kind of like get the goal, a uh, bit of fortune on the goal incidentally, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. go and run, you know, you just kind of control the game. I want to see more from you, but you can't win. You don't have the players to win consistently playing this way. No. It's as simple as you have to go and impose your game on the others. Yeah. Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale returns between the sticks. A teenager I'd never heard of named Charlie Sago Jr., but I'm sure you'll tell me all about. And oh, he's, he's like that other guy, Patel or whatever, last year that they were all excited about. He's Charlie. a good kid from the academy. He's also Charlie, yeah? Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal churning out a bunch of Charlies from the academy. How about that? Uh, makes his first start. Who's the other Charlie? Charlie Patino. Oh, yeah. His name? But he was on loan last season and he's on loan again. That's fine, but he's still an Arsenal guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Reese Nelson, remember hey. him? Scores the goal that pushes Arsenal past Brentford. I think that's happy, right, Jules? I mean, he made eight changes. I think if he could have done 11, he would. If he, could, if yeah. he didn't have to play that game, he would I, have loved it too. I think loves the League Cup as much as I do. Exactly, exactly. So you take the win and you move on. They play West Ham, I think, in the next round. So let's see that. If I really wanted to mess with Aaron Ramsdale's head, I would have started Raya in this game. Uh, I'd be like, no, Aaron, you're not the uh, League Cup keeper. No, no, he knew it was coming. And he did really well. So well done to him. Leicester City, a new boy, Enzo Maresca, give Liverpool a scare. Kind of, unfilled. Before Dominic Sobos lies, calls, uh, comes on and turns things around with a lovely, lovely goal. Jogo Jota with a lovely goal too. And they go and win 3-1. Gab, that Sobos lie goal was a bit special though. It was wonderful. I don't know if that was the best goal by somebody who's got a long name starting with an S, uh, because Samartic oh, scored yeah. a great wow. goal. I love the Where he kind roulette. of dribbles everybody oh, roulette, um, yeah. for Udinese against Napoli. Go and check it out. It's on social media. Uh, but yeah, by the way, I think it was a scare because you go a goal down early. Um, they Leicester, never attacked again after that goal. They don't need to attack. They're top of the, the, yeah, they're, they're top of the championship. Maresca was Pep Guardiola. He's got Guardiola DNA. Good. You saw that. 
He's got what he was. He was Pep's assistant. That's good enough for me. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here, and guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now, making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Cup glory for Bayern yes. Munich 2 in the DFB Pokal, Pokal. As they beat up third division Preussen Munster 4-0. Jules, good prep ahead of the trip to Leipzig this weekend. Yeah, my strong team from uh, from Tuchel, of course. Matistel scored again. Tuchel was starting up front as well. I guess they lost Sergnabry, which is the bad news, really, and he'll be out for a few weeks now. Um, and um, Livorzani has been the best the best of their wingers, really, when you think about Coman and Gnabry, but you still, I guess, we need the depth and the, and the squad. So it's sad news. But apart from that, yeah, it was pretty routine, easy. Yeah, person monster. Which was in not the third the, division for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And that's not the case for Leipzig, though. Gabi, speaking of them, because they had to huff and puff to get past Verhen Wiesbaden, 3-2, only 3-2, as uh, Peter Gulaski made his return as well. So first of all, the return of Gulaski for me, I think, is really, really yeah. big. I think he is substantially better uh, than the guy who replaced him um, during his injury. So happy to see him back. Yeah, it looked like everything was cruising. Your, your boy, the, 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 the little cartoon character, Emil Forsberg, opens the scoring. Nice. Then uh, uh, the big one, big yeah. man, Benjamin Sesko. It's easy. They've got, you know, Openda, Xavi Simons. Those guys are on the bench. No sweat. And then they give up a goal before halftime. And then they start getting battered. And so they send on really the big bad. guns. Yeah. Sesco scores um, to make a 3-1. But then again, Pertai again, uh, scoring for Van Wiesbaden. And it's really tight. Uh, I think one of the lessons here, if you're Leipzig, is I'm all for this rotation, guys in and out, blah, blah, blah. But... You know, there's a reason. There's a there's a reason you have a hierarchy, and your starters are your starters. Yeah. You know, uh, it looked like they took their foot off the gas again. Probably thinking of Bayern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's talk expensive United I, wingers, yes. Jules. Anthony's flying back from the United Kingdom to be interviewed by Greater Manchester Police over his domestic violence allegations. Well, things aren't getting any better for Jaden Sancho, who is even more on Ten Hag's naughty step. What depressing story to United fans you want to talk about first? I mean, I guess Anthony is still, there's an investigation. He will speak to the police. He will have to deal with that, with the club and what's, you know, what, what the next step is, I guess. For Sancho, we know what the next step is, is if he doesn't apologize to Eric Ten Hag for, responding on social media and calling him a liar to what Ten Hag said after the Arsenal game, then there's no way back right now. So Sancho is not allowed to train with the first team anymore, but not, not even allowed to be nowhere near the first team. Kind of, He can go to Carrington and train on his own. He will have coach and medical staff around him because I think they have to provide that it's, it's with the, with the yeah. law. But not when near the first team activities, infrastructures, nothing like that. So, for example, I, I would think 
from reading about it that you, you won't be able to have lunch or dinner with the first team yeah players I read about that I mean I don't know do so they I have don't know. A, sorry, I, think, I, I don't know this but do no, they but, have a separate canteen I don't know maybe different times maybe so it doesn't come at the different uh, same time as the first team training I, I'm not sure I'm not sure how that works you can say hello can say hello to the tea okay, lady this, this seems so I, I, I think this story appeared in the top, but I think maybe they egged it a little bit. Cause it seems yeah, but Ten Hag was really strong about no, that. No, you can be really apologize. strong and say, dude, you're not playing and your negative attitude screws up my training sessions. Go train by yourself. That's fine. But then to raise it to a vindictive level like yeah. that, it would be excessive there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the way it was depicted know, seems a bit Very excessive tough. to me. Yeah, showing great stuff. Uh, he controls us now and he needs to really understand sometimes... You know what? Even if you don't like your boss, a little bit of sucking up is in your best interest because if you can get back on the pitch a little bit, then you figure out an exit strategy. Exactly, somehow. even for his own future, man. Whereas if you're not playing at all, yeah, exactly, it's even harder. If, even if you get a move in January, it's going to be completely. that much harder to restart. Yeah, completely. More United, Gab. I imagine you don't follow the under twenty-one. No, funny enough, I do not. No, but I'll tell you that they lost eight-one, eight-one. That is. Against Bolton in the EFL trophy. So not, not the under 21 Bolton, by the way. So no, no, they lost to the real Bolton yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. So they do the first team. And they currently though, 16, only 16th in the Premier Development League. So that's with other under 21 teams. So that's, that's at least the same level as them. Uh, this is the academy that produced, I mean, once produced the class of 92. With Beckham, Scholes, yeah. the Nevilles. Nicky Butt, who's it's clearly my not the, out of the, the class of what? So what would they be born in? I, uh, it's got nothing to do when they're born. I think it had it to do with when they were the, the year. The year they came out or something. The year, yeah. So the class, the, the class of two. two I, I think. I think it just okay. Like this whole class of '92 thing is kind of like made up because obviously, guess what? Phil Neville and Gary Neville are brothers so phil neville was actually in a different age group and yeah some people stick gigs in there even though gigs made his debut in like before the others yeah. so like it's, it's kind of silly but there's no question that this academy was once you know seen as one of the best in the country yeah possibly in europe um other than marcus rashford who weirdly enough played because actually i was speaking to a friend and colleague of ours who's a big manchester united fan i won't I won't reveal anything more, no. but you know who I'm talking about. The Prince of Darkness. The yeah. Prince of Darkness who came out and says like, oh, they, they haven't had a under-21 interna- England international in like a million years. Okay, because you're ignoring Marcus Rashford because I think he skipped the under-21s went straight in the first team. But then I thought, other than Rashford, who's the last contributor that they've actually produced? In terms of real academy people i don't mean like you know guys they i don't mean like garnacho yeah, or guys they bring in or whatever or 16, right yeah yeah and i don't know i i genuinely don't know is, is it scott mctominay yeah i would is think he so the, maybe james garner everton now maybe I james saw garner someone, has contributed nothing to united because no, different club, all, right yeah, yeah i don't know i saw the other day you know what so <laughs> oh greenwood like yeah, didn't exactly yeah. end up well but that's uh, yeah. remember when Willie Keane was the star of the that's United right. Academy I saw him playing for Ireland against France the other day and now he plays for Preston Preston or something like that in either the championship or league one but he was he was apparently the name the next big one the big star to come out of the academy scoring loads of goals with them and did he suffer an injury was uh, that yeah I think so maybe but you know the, one the cycles especially at that age group you know the cycles you can't right. always have a class of 92 generation nobody has even La Masia go through times where they don't produce no. anybody uh, and also people I think underestimate this 
how high the step is from the under 21s or under 23, whatever you want to call them, to no, no, it, the first team, especially in those big clubs. They're under 21s now because it used to be the under 23s. Yeah. They've changed it. They've moved it to under 21s, which I think makes sense. Under 23s is kind of like... I don't think is meaningful from a from a development standpoint the way under twenty ones is having them play in the EFL trophy. You know, you can say oh, it's men against boys. They still get a little bit of that experience, but like you said it's, they play each other all the time. I think yeah, Man yeah. City's won like the last three. Yeah, Chelsea uh, uh, probably the three before. Yeah, it doesn't bode yeah. well. No, Jules, quick trivia question: Do you know who the top scorer in Europe's big five leagues is so far this season? I'll give you a hint: It's not Erling Haaland. Nope. It's not Kylian Mbappe. Nope. It's not Victor Osimhen. No, nope. it's not Robert Lewandowski. No, nope. it's not. Harry Kane. No, it's somebody who was born and raised in France, and he's but he's not Paris born and bred. He comes from the city of Vincent Van Gogh, and his name is Cyril Girassi. And I feel terrible that we haven't talked about him yet. I did put him in my quick hits for Monday's show, and you ignored it completely because he scored ten goals. Ten goals in five Bundesliga games with Stuttgart. Stuttgart flying. He's on pace to score seventy-six goals this season, which is more than Erling Haaland, more than Gerd Muller. Very true. More than Bastos. You know when you're like in that zone where everything you try, literally every touch, every dribble, every shot, everything just go, that just is perfect. That's, that's what Cyril Grassi is going through now because I think, cause I looked the other day, his highest goal scoring season, I think in the league, just the league, I think he's something like 14 maybe. At Rennes. Rennes. In Amiens, I think he had a really good year as well. But he's already on 10 after five games. Incredible. Okay. Really he's 27, incredible. so we expect some sort of regression he's to the mean. He's had really bad injuries, to be fair to him. At wrong times in his career, when he had big moves and things like that. So I'm really, really happy. He's such a lovely, lovely guy. And you know what? I remember 10 years ago, I think it was, going to watch him for Auxerre with an English scout, a scout from an English club who were ready to sign him. And they were... They were not sure. They were in, they were in. They were ah. They were yeah. We signed him. No, we don't. They hesitated in the end. They didn't sign him. And to be fair, until now they were kind of proven right because he hadn't really hit the ceiling that we thought or the level that we thought he could reach. So maybe this is maybe at 27. This is the the, the season that is going to turn his fortune and he's going to be a top 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 scorer. Did he grow up in Arles? Do you know? Then he went to Montargis, which is more... No, I'm saying when he was a little boy, like, was he running around the Camargue on his own and like, I this is where he, he developed on his own, but Yeah, I think he grew up there, but then moved quite early right. to closer to Paris. So I can, I cannot claim... You can't claim him, sorry. But, you know, still. UFA have uh, relaxed sanctions against Russia, Gabi, and we allow national teams to compete at under-17 level. A number of countries, including England, Lithuania, Poland, Latvia, and crucially, Sweden, who are hosting the next under-17 Euros have said that they will boycott and Ukraine obviously not happy either. Yeah, we take it as red, Ukraine won't be yeah. playing them. Um, so I understand the argument. Obviously, in some sports, individual athletes have been allowed to compete. I understand the argument that this is under-17 level, right? So these are kids who, you know, have nothing to do with the war. Equally, I also understand that if there are UN sanctions out there, and if you take a stance, you're taking a stance against a federation, yeah. right? Um, and I think you have to have some sensitivity for your for your um, for your members. You already have what six six countries at least who've come out publicly and yeah. said that you know they're not going to play against them, including crucially Sweden. They're organizing the tournament. And what I don't understand here is UEFA. Um, 
So just did you not tell that. Sweden? Yeah. How does it work? Can you have, do you have, I need a vote from all 54 members? Do they can, can, can Seferin take this decision on his own? Like nobody else is. That's a very good question. One, no, I don't think, I don't think Seferin can take the decision on his own. I need, I think he would need the executive committee to, to approve it. Uh, I don't think it's a vote of all the members. I'm not even sure when the members would have met to, or when the executive committee would have met to approve yeah. this. It doesn't seem like a very well thought out plan Clearly or not. a very popular plan. I don't know who out there is clamoring to see a bunch of Russian under 17 players play. Yeah. You know, I look and I say, so I don't want to be unkind to the kids and sport and politics should mix. There's United Nations re resolution yeah. out there, right? It's pretty clear. The trend seems to be in that direction because you see it with the Olympic Committee and whatever else. I'd like it if UEFA showed a little bit of backbone and especially care to the members. And I think they will. I don't think this is going to no, stand. No, I agree. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Rino Gattuso is hey! back, baby. He's the new manager of uh, Olympique Marseille. Jules, he had a rough time at Valencia. Yeah. Is he the right man for the velodrome? I bet Uncle George Mendes thinks he is. Oh, Uncle George, well done to him. I mean, Christophe Galtier was the, the one they wanted, really, and he turned them down. For different reasons, not just the fact that obviously he was a PhD very recently because he's a Marseille born and bred kid and he, I think he would have loved to manage Marseille. It was just not the right time, he said. So then plan B was Reno. And yesterday for his first training session, he said to the players, I want to create a family because in a family, you know, we fight, we love each other. We, we argue, we fight, but we, we love each other and we fight until the end together. And then, which is such a Reno Gattuso line, he said, and we're going to be warriors. I want warriors. I need, so before talking about 4-3-3, 4-4-2 style of play, it was all about warrior, family, let's fight for each other together. Is that enough? I don't know. There's a lot of fans who are not happy, clearly, because, okay, he won the Coppa d'Italia with, with Napoli during COVID, but, It was not perfect by far. In Milan, it was not perfect. In Valencia, it was far from perfect. They sacked him when they were 14th, one point uh, above the, 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 the bottom three. So, I don't know. We will see. It's, it, won't, it will be tough for them. And they start with Monaco at the weekend, who are a great team so far this season. It's very toxic right there at the Velodrome. I don't know. They're good players there. So, let's see. I, you know, give him a chance, of course. 15% of Ligue 1 managers are now Italian. Uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what that says. 50? 15. Oh, 15. And um, I think they're saying there's just like nothing. What what is more interesting? So we have two managers sacked or I mean sacked or left in Marseille obviously and and Lyon. I don't think there's been one in the Premier League yet. No, not yet. In Serie A where you are where you are the manager eaters. I don't think you've had one either. 
Yeah. Usually we're not we're not so you know so ahead in this trend. Yeah, you're, but you're, hey. you're getting all the all, all you're you're copying all the bad bits. Yeah, of Italy. exactly. <laughs> Chelsea, uh, we said won in the league cup, but also finally have a shirt sponsor, Gabby, something called Infinite Athletes, and they will reportedly be paying forty million a season. I mean, just one season because they've signed for just one season, right? <laughs> Yeah, so it's a weird one. So you're wondering, like, what is Infinite Athlete? Yeah. Can I go and buy some Infinite Athlete? Am I it's like data local stuff. convenient? It's data stuff to do with biomechanics and um, and injuries. They have a partnership with uh, Chelsea already, I guess, to support their their athletes, their their playing squad. It seems weird. It's all, it's all you know. My feelings on this. This seems odd to me. This this is not. You and I aren't going to become infinite athlete clients, right? I don't no. understand on the front of it why a company would go when it's a B2B company. And look, there's many examples, right? We had TeamViewer with Manchester yeah. United and so on. But at least TeamViewer, it's some sort of business to business, but there's a lot of businesses out there and so on that could have use for this stuff. I don't know who other than professional uh, <laughs> sports teams yeah. has any need for infinite athlete. And I presume... You know, they work in the NFL and stuff. They're already well-known. Also, for me personally, I think Infinite Athlete is a completely stupid name and also deceitful because the athlete does not become infinite. That's you know, true. As, as Rocky Balboa says, yeah. time is undefeated. There is no such thing. Do you have an you issue can... with who owns or oh, suddenly who has... 18% of the shares of this Infinite Athlete company? Ah, you've researched their cap table. Yes. Who does? Who does? They own by the City Football Group. Ah. That's why the Premier League had to give their approval to this deal because isn't it a bit weird that Manchester City, Bay, technically, let's put it broadly, owns some of the, sh- like, you know, 20%, a of, yeah, yeah, a big chunk of the company that are going to sponsor Chelsea? It's one of many things. I will say this. The thing that gets me most about Infinite Athlete. And look, I'm, where am I? I'm not dissing their product. I assume it's a great product. Yeah, of course, spending I'll, money on I hope it, so right? for them. I'm just wondering. I'm just going to make fun of their name because I don't like it. But I'd say it's better than their previous name. The company was previously known as Tempus Ex Machina. Like, yeah. that really yeah. rolls that- up. You know, you want to appeal to something to jocks and athletes? Yeah, try to sell them something called Tempest X Machina. How would um, it even fit on the, like, you know, Little Ryan Sterling I, shirt? Like, I, all I can say is their product must be exceptional because whatever, whatever marketing shyster designed their name, yeah. I don't think has gotten it done. So no, it's got to be a true. really, really good product. That's very true. Four Paris Saint-Germain players are in trouble, Jules, for joining in with the fans and singing songs about Marseille after a club's 4-0 win in Le Classique. Yeah. Is this becoming a trend? So with Milan earlier this year and so on. In the butt, yeah. Well, is this necessary? Why? What, what, what? I don't know. They were celebrating with the ultras, you know, as you often do. And then the cameras were still there and they were singing. The songs the ultras sing? A song that is obviously insulting to, to Marseille. But insulting Marseille how? Was it? Does it cross lines into territorial discrimination? Yeah, it's not. It's not nice. And I should remind you as well that towards the end of the game, the ultra sang this this song that he sang in Paris against Marseille. That is also, uh, you know, with gay slurs in it towards okay. the Marseille. But this wasn't people. the players. No, that was okay. the fans. So the club so, right. were going to the discipline committee for that for the, what the ultras did, and those four players also go there. And in, we but have, what we had, bad content was there in what the f- in what those mar- in, in what those four players actually sang, including yeah, Guzman Dembele? 
so yeah, Dembele, Hakimi, Kolomwani, and the fourth one, I can't remember who the fourth one is. Right. Uh, like insulting is it, chance and discriminatory it, chance against Marseille. It is discriminatory. Marseille. Yeah, right? discriminatory. It is, it's, it's either racist, so in the past we've had, yeah. Yeah. So in the past we've had uh, one game, one game ban, one game suspended ban, stuff like that, a fine. So this is on October the 5th. So let's see, let's see what happens. But both the club and those four players could be in trouble, are in trouble, really. FIFA moving more than 100 jobs from Zurich to Miami. Cav, what is this about? They want more sun? They want the, the beach? I, that's exactly it, actually. Um, they, what they want is they want to, they want to strengthen, uh, their ability to go, um, to go windsurfing, um, to go. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, no, I did work on their tans. Can we move to Miami as well? Is that possible? Can You'd we rather ask? do that than move ESPN? to Zurich and do some skiing? Yeah. Um, yeah, no. I, so they're moving their legal audit, compliance, and risk management departments. Okay. Um, officially, the explanation is FIFA want to be more globalized and so on. Obviously, they have an office in Paris as well. Yes. Um, which seems weird because Paris is just up the road from Zurich, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also obviously with a view towards the 2025 Club World Cup and the 2026 World Cup, which unlike other World Cups, we've talked about this a little bit, normally – the host country creates a local organizing committee, which organizes the stadiums and the logistics. Here, FIFA are handling the organization directly. There's been some pushback yeah, yeah. Uh, from some cities about that. Um, if I were to be a little cynical, I would throw two other factors um, out there, one good, one bad. One is the relationship between FIFA and the Swiss government. isn't great right now, mm-hmm. as you know. Infantino being endlessly investigated because he met with a guy named Lauber, who was the Swiss attorney general, who was investigating his predecessor, Blatter, and and all the people that were involved in the scandal. And was it appropriate he didn't report the meeting? This is years ago. Uh, The other factor, I think, might have to do with sponsors. So rightly or wrongly, there's a lot of money and there's a lot of people who invest money into the U.S. um, or, or from the U.S. From the U.S., yeah. If I'm a U.S. company and say, hey, what's the soccer thing all about? And am I going to be more comfortable dealing with an entity that is in Switzerland, where I'm not saying Switzerland's a bad place because that's a legal system or whatever, but am I going to trust the legal system in Switzerland more than the legal system in the U.S. and have some of those guarantees, uh, some of those access access to, to, to funds and sponsors, I think there's a lot of people who feel better about it if it's yeah. in the U.S. relative to, to Switzerland, where, yeah. of course, they used to hide stolen gold and stuff like that. Ah. But no, they don't do that anymore. No. Um, so I think all these things, it is, it is weird, but, you know, Johnny Fantino, not really conventional. Yeah. Reese James has been charged by the FA for allegedly abusing uh, Jared Gillette over the Malo Gusto red card in Chelsea's home defeat against Aston Villa at the weekend. Jules, I guess if he gets suspended, it's not that big a deal because he's injured anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, completely. It's a great time. This is what you do. Yeah, well, like, he probably okay. thought about it saying like, and also for the people who don't know, at Stamford Bridge, the players who are not in the squad still sit behind the bench or by the bench there. I mean, it's not just at Stamford Bridge, Arsenal as well. Uh, there's loads, loads of stadium where even the injured players or suspended players are still very much with the squad. So you see the fourth referee, you see that you're very close to the pitch. And that, you know, he didn't abuse him from his box at Stamford Bridge, right. Rich James. He was right there by the pitch. That's why, but you're right. Even if he's suspended, he won't care anymore. I don't want to give anybody, including perhaps one former Chelsea manager who might now be in Rome, any ideas. But 
can you imagine you just get a bunch of injured players to go oh and God, abuse yeah. the referee and take your suspensions for you? I know. Just imagine these guys on crutches and stuff and with yeah, bring- bandaged heads going and burying the referee and saying like, you want to bat us? Bat us! Ha ha ha! I'm out until <laughs> February. <laughs> Remember those caps on agent fees, Gab, that FIFA had introduced? Well, that won't be happening in England, at least for a while. Yeah, so FIFA had introduced gap, uh, caps on the amount of money intermediaries could charge. It's up to 10% of yeah. the total transfer value. I, I was against the caps. I always say, let's have transparency more than caps. I don't care how much money you make as long as you can justify and as long as people know about it, stakeholders yeah. know yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, four major agencies in the UK have successfully petitioned a court to block uh, the order. Um, there's going to be a legal challenge. There'll be a trial. The way it works is FIFA can't go and impose these caps in internal transfers between English clubs. The FA have to do it. So FIFA can tell the FA, hey, FA, yeah. you need yeah. to do this. The FA says, okay. But now they've the court says, no, FA, stop. And so the FA here in England has to stop. So it's relevant because there's legal challenges all over the world yeah. in, different, in different jurisdictions. And we may end up with a, with a situation where FIFA can really only apply this for international transfers. Um, but it's, it's definitely one to watch. Yeah. Ajax's match against Feyenoord uh, that had been abandoned at the weekend after they, the Ajax fans all decided to shoot flares onto the pitch <laughs> yeah. and whatnot was completed with Feyenoord scoring again to win 4-0. Your yeah. boy Jimenez. Yeah, um, Santiago Jimenez again. Jules, things aren't getting any better there. No, but they were not going to get better for the like. So why did they have minutes. to finish this game? Why not just say like, oh look, game abandoned, you lose 3-0, well, let's call it here, forfeit the match. Maybe because then, as you said on Monday, and rightly so, maybe fans where their games would, you know, their team were losing would just do that on purpose to get the game abandoned and, and it's not finished. I, I don't know, maybe they wanted to give Ajax a chance to come back in the game. I've got no idea, but they played it. No fans, 4-0, you get battered. You still have your rubbish manager, Maurice in there. I, I don't know. <laughs> At least Midland has gone. Yeah, Midland has gone, I guess. But it's, I mean, it's so chaotic there, so toxic. I don't know how they get out of that, of that hole. The Times report that Saudi Arabia is planning to recruit top referees from Europe to go with the top players that they've already recruited for the league. Is this a good thing or should we be worried? Worried about what? I'm just waiting for them to recruit top podcasters. Oh my god, yeah. So that our competitors can all leave and then we have it all to ourselves. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, no, look, it's inevitable. It's a free market, right? Once referees turn professional, they're free to go. You already had situations where they ask for permission, they bring in foreign refs on a one off basis. In fact, there's the um, American referee, Isfahan, I think is his name. He's of Moroccan descent, but he's, he's American. He's the guy who Cristiano Ronaldo chased around the pitch uh, yeah, a yeah. couple weeks ago. Um, there's nothing stopping them. Okay. They can do it. I don't think there's going to be an exodus of Premier League referees because Premier League referees are generally pretty well paid and they like the publicity and everything. Um, but, you know, we talk about professional referees, but outside of, first of all, outside of the top, I think, three or four leagues, I'm not sure they're even technically professionals, although they earn like professionals. But beneath that, if you're not an international caliber referee, most of these guys have second jobs. So I think it could be. If they're not looking for publicity, if they just want competent referees, maybe yeah. they start taking people from, I don't know, Belgium, who are not FIFA referees, or or Portugal, or, or places like that, I, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Be interesting. 
Kadidiatou Diani has made some very serious allegations against former Paris Saint-Germain women's coach Didier Olnikol, Jules. Yeah, she's pressed charges this week. I mean, she's a French international. She used to play for PSG, now she's at Lyon. She moved in the summer. Uh, that was a few few months ago. It's just just uh, it was it, it broke yesterday or the day before. Yesterday, she said that uh, a couple of times he touched her bum, basically, and a few other girls as well in that team. This is some some allegation that were there before that he denies. His lawyers still still says that he hasn't been interviewed by the police. That nothing has been happening, and this was gonna was was about to die. That. The, the first case before Diani went to the police to say that and the Ole Nicole camp is saying that her boyfriend or partner who's also a agent uh, is kind of at war against PSG was trying to do that to put pressure on PSG and on Ole Nicole before he left so it's it's a really messy situation I I would want to believe Diani I know her bet she did that is because that really happened the investigators don't I'm a bit skeptical about this story, by the way, and everything around Ole Nicole because it also happened during the Hamrawi. I was going to bring up Kira no, no, Hamrawi. Of course, of course. <laughs> like, because, because Jenny's partner and agent was very Eric much involved. Abidal's wife. No, just kidding. No, but there was a, he was very much involved in all of this and stuff. So mm. it's quite complicated. I tried to make it simple. You, but, wait, yeah. her agent and partner was involved in the Kira Hamrawi case? In the background kind of stuff, yeah. Because his client was a teammate. Yeah, and his name, I think he kind of advised, he was some so involved in what happened after the incident and the assaults. Uh, yeah, it was it was really strange. It was at the time where he wanted a new deal for some of his clients who play for the PSG women team, and where he won apparently according to the police again, and the investigator trying to put pressure on the club. So yeah, loads of loads of like kind of layers again, a bit like for the Aussie men into this Gianni Ole Nicole story that goes back to the Amrawi assault. Why can Paris Saint Germain be a normal club? The know, men's man. team, the women's he team. Ne- he will never be a normal club. <laughs> Sevilla beat the Balmeria five-one. Gab on Tuesday. That's three games without defeat in a row now for Armand Mendilibar. Is the crisis over or Almeria really bad or both? Almeria are really, really bad. Really bad. bad. Um, really wow. bad. There's a reason. I mean, I think they have two points, but I don't know how they have those two points, to yeah. be honest. I let Sevilla look good. I think they really needed this. Suzo getting on the, store, on, on, on the score sheet. He's had a difficult time. Uh, your man, Luca Bacchio, again. Yeah. Um, really good goal as well. Look, I, Sevilla are much better than where they are in the table. I yeah. think they've shown it in the cups and so on. And I think this can take some of the pressure off. I, I think their natural position should be this year, top six, top eight. Yeah. Um, and then a run in the cups because that's how they roll. No Lionel Messi, no Jordi Alba, no. and no party for Inter Miami as they lose the U.S. Open Cup final to the Houston Dynamo. Jules, yeah, that's right. I mean, we've, we've said a lot, Gabby, about the uh, the Messi miracle and how great this was, and and uh, when they went in the leagues, was it the the leagues, the leagues cup, the leagues cup, exactly, and how good they were. But that the test really would be one when Messi was not on great form, or maybe, maybe when Messi wasn't there, and, and how far this team had gone under. On the Tata and just Busquets. I mean, you can't ask Robert Taylor to do what Messi does, right? When Messi isn't there, I guess. And they were beaten. Not that they didn't do well. They scored late by Joseph Martinez, but they had chances, didn't take them. And on the other hand, Houston did take theirs. So it will be a disappointment. Now 
they need to try to qualify for the playoffs. They need a big push because they are way behind. But it's not impossible. It's a disappointment. But you know what? When a team that is what last or second to last on the yeah, table yeah. at this point are missing their best player and then the final competition, you generally don't expect them to win. No, that's true. Aston Villa players have complained. To the hitmaker, Castor, Castore, I don't even know. What I have say. no idea. Some northern thing. The, the official, like, team kit for the men and the women's team, are weighing them down and creating a wet look. They get clearly soaked very quickly with sweat. Um, Gab, would you, what do you make of this? The women's team have also come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're starting the WSL reasons. this weekend. They're not happy either. Okay. I don't like talking about kit. I don't really understand this. Um, this brand, by the way, is an English band from somewhere up north. Um, they just obviously, because you're trying to sell things, obviously you're going to pretend that you have like an Italian sounding or French sounding name. Otherwise, you know, nobody's going to go and, yeah, you've seen it happen before. I know, but you Umbro, know what? for example, they're not True. Italian, right? No, but, I know, I know. But so the issue, with this, the issue with this kit, and, and by the way, it's only certain kits because they also sponsor, they, they also supply the kit, I think, to Wolves. And I've never heard Wolves complain about no, it. No, yeah, yeah. They did supply Brentford's second kit last year, and they complained about the point that Brentford apparently kept wearing um, their third kit. Essentially, apparently, the complaint is it doesn't wick properly. So, What's wick? So wick is when you're wearing the kit, you sweat, and, you know, it's like if you wear, like, performance gear or technical gear. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it absorbs it, kind of thing. It, no, it doesn't absorb. It does, rather, it does the opposite. Rather than absorbing it, it kind of pushes it to the outside. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Here, apparently, the kit retains it. So it makes people right. heavier. Certainly, it looks like it looks like absolute trash with those big <laughs> ugly stains. Yeah, in the yeah, front of true. The kit. true. Um, what I don't understand about this is surely, if you're Aston Villa, before you know they design the kit, they supply it to you. Yeah, surely they supply samples and say, "Oh, this is what it looks like. Yeah. This is the material." I'm also not clear why, like. The second kit might be like this, but not the first kit. If they and they must have played in preseason with them, so they they would have known. Way before I don't now. Know. Maybe they didn't sweat much. Maybe they played preseason games. By the way, Castor in French is Beavers. I'm not sure I would have picked that name, but you know, it's only me. I, I have no idea. I don't want to diss the company. No, no, no. Send us three gear if you want. We'll test them out. I'll see, yeah, yeah. I'll see how I sweat. Take them the at the gym. Yeah. Um, I also do think to some degree, as you know, players are also weirdly superstitious and complain. It may also be yeah. that they're making a big deal and this company's getting a raw deal. I, I genuinely don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. But I, I do know that Unai Emery doesn't like it. So, hey. Jules, this brings us to an yeah. end. Um, you're going to be back on Monday. I won't because I'll be at my mom's 80th birthday oh, amazing. party. How about that? Yeah. Uh, until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Love yourself.